Well, I want to start by saying uh, I feel like we've already been to church this morning. I uh, appreciate the way that we've been led into worship by our musicians and by by Paul and, and by our, our Lord's Supper and, and just everything. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. It did my heart a lot of good. Um, before we get started, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for loving us and getting us, uh, having, giving us breath so that we could uh, get up and and be here and spend a little time just adoring you and worshiping you and uh, hopefully learning how to uh, live a life that's more pleasing to you. You're so gracious, so merciful, so kind to us, and I pray that uh, we would return all of your uh, graciousness and all of your mercies by uh, just trying to be pleasing in your sight, just seeking to live a life that uh, shows gratitude father i pray that you'd be with us as we enter this time of uh, spending a little time in your word i pray that you would uh, certainly take me out of the way and that your holy spirit would uh, operate through the power of your word and not through the uh, lack of power of the speaker father i just pray that uh, you would be with our hearts today that we would hear what you would have us to we love you so much, and we thank you so much for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So if you will, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you a, a head start. We're going to spend most of our time in two places, Genesis chapter 1, which will be easy to turn to, and Romans chapter 1. So if you want to go ahead and put your thumb in Romans chapter 1, we'll probably spend the, the biggest amount of time uh, at, that, at that place. When... Uh, when I was younger, when I was a kid at home, um, at some point, a, a little book showed up at our house. Now, I don't know where we got the book. Uh, it had formerly belonged to somebody else. I don't know if somebody, you know, gave it to, to, to my mom and dad in something they had or, or what. I don't know, but it was called Mystery Mountain, and it was a, a children's book. Uh, it was probably written for, you know, kids third or fourth grade and I must have read that book 10 times um you know which was kind of surprising because it didn't have any pictures or anything it was just words but uh but I read this book and what it was about was this little boy and girl or, or young boy and girl uh, who went to spend the summer at their grandparents house and their grandparents lived in I think it was Wyoming or Montana someplace like that and they lived on a ranch and this boy and this girl, when they got to the ranch, they got to spend all summer riding horses and going into the mountains and doing all kinds of little great adventures. But one of the things that they, they found out about, they heard that there was a, a lost treasure that was um, hidden in the mountains. And so they started researching it. They went into... Uh, the library and they started reading the archives and they started looking at maps and they started doing all this stuff and at the end of the day uh, the, uh, the, the boy and the girl put together a map and sought out and ultimately found this treasure and I've just always been fascinated with treasure stories I think most people have you know you can look at a lot of the movies that we see you know uh, Indiana Jones uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, you know, you can read history about guys searching for treasure and the 
fountain of youth and, and all those things. And so I think there's something in us that makes us want to find treasure. You know, the Bible is a book made up of 66 different books. And each one of those books has its own character and flavor. Some of them are narrative. Some of them are historical. Some of them are wisdom literature. They're all there. And it's just very much like a, a treasure search. Different types of documents that lead us down this road. Some people have referred to the Bible as a love letter. Some people have re referred to it as an instruction manual. I like to think of the Bible as a treasure map and life as the big adventure where we seek and ultimately if we follow the treasure map we're going to find treasure i have the luxury of uh, uh and pleasure of being able to bring two messages here one today and one i think on the 28th of this month the one today is going to be geared toward what happens when you get off the treasure map the one on the 28th, I'm going to go ahead and give you a preview. It's what happens when you find the treasure. So that'll be the fun one. This one's a little bit harder. So let's look at it a little bit. And if you will, let's start in Genesis chapter 1. So if you will, let's look there first. In Genesis chapter 1, 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and now go down to verse 26 and 27 of that same chapter <clears throat> and as we read this think very very carefully about all the words that are in here because i think they're very important and they speak volumes to our generation today volumes to our society today then god said let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know, it's hard for us to comprehend the beginning. Uh, you know, one of the things I read was that as, as human beings, the earliest true memories we have aren't formed before we're like three to four years old, something in that. I remember my papa used to tell me he remembered when he was born. Uh, I, I don't think he really did. I think somebody told him about it, uh, and I think that's often the case, that the memories we think we have prior, pro probably prior to three or four are just stories that people have told us. But when we think about the true beginning, the beginning that starts in our recollection with creation, it's, it's easy to get our minds into a, a kind of a, a loop that's hard to get out of. Because um, we think, okay, so there was this time where God spoke things into creation, but what before that? Well, it's easy. It was God. Well, how long? Infinite past, infinite future. 
God's always been there. He is here now, and he will always be here and always be where he is. That's why when he addressed himself, he said, I am. So he's, he's, he's constant. He's constantly always there. So it's hard for us to put our mind around a, a, a concept of the beginning. But what God asks us to do is don't worry about that. He said, I'm going to give you the starting point. And this is also the starting point on your treasure map. The Bible says, in the beginning. That's all you have to worry about. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The term is ex nihilo. God created everything through speaking. It wasn't like he, he, he took some cosmic stuff and put them together to make the universe we know. No. God spoke it into existence. And he asks us right from the outset to believe that one fact. We need to either believe that he is who he says he is and did what he said he did, or we're given the choice of rejecting it. And the choice of rejecting it has grave consequences, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Do you believe that God spoke all creation into existence? That's the first question that we have to answer ourselves. And then the second question is, do we believe that he spoke it into existence over a literal six-day period? Going from nothing to the pinnacle of creation, which was mankind on day six. Do you believe that when God created man, he did it in a, and I'm going to use a current term, a very binary way. You're either a man or you're a woman. That's it. He didn't leave any other options out there. That's, that's, that's where things stop. And we have to address that. We have to address that here before we can address it out in society. And it is a big part of staying on the treasure map. Do you believe that God created a man and a woman and that they are made with a very specific purpose and a very specific functionality? And do you believe that we have the ability to change that designation at our own whims? Those are the things that we wrestle with today. Those are the things that we need to wrestle with internally so that we can wrestle with them in society. As I mentioned, we're going to be on a treasure map. And the treasure map is God's word. And its ultimate design and desire is to get us to the treasure. That place where our, our treasure is laid up. That place where our treasure is laid up is in relationship with him. It's his kingdom. It's, it's everything about him and nothing about us. Because when we get there, we're going to find true fulfillment, true satisfaction, true joy. But let me just tell you, this treasure map, just like every other treasure map that you might think of, is filled with pitfalls. And today we're going to talk about how to avoid those pitfalls. The first thing I want you to note is that the treasure map, getting off it, starts with deception. 
starts with deception. That's the first place where people get off the treasure map. The treasure map warns us that we have a formidable foe who is not only capable of, but adept at the practice of deception. Jesus, in speaking to the Pharisees, said, You are of your father the devil, and you want the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And that's from John. So Jesus tells us there's a deceiver out there, and it's not in his nature to tell the truth. To the contrary, his nature is to try to deceive you, to lead you astray, to get you off the path that God wants you on. Peter tells us, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour listen this deceiver is not out to just kind of trip you up and make fun of you he's out to destroy you he's out to make you miss the very treasure that god wants you to find god wants you to find it so bad if you will scroll over if you're on genesis turn over or scroll over to genesis chapter 3 1 through 6 Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. God didn't say that. God just said don't eat. He didn't say anything about touching, but Eve added that, so she was getting cute. And that's what happens sometimes when you're dealing with the deceiver. We try to get cute and, and, and think that we can engage in this uh, uh, conversation like we would with, with somebody else. It goes on. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. It's always interesting to me that God had given them specific instructions. You're allowed to eat anything you want in this garden. Any fruit, any vegetable, anything you want enjoy except for this one tree well there was another tree in the garden too and that was the tree of life they could have eaten off that tree but they chose to do the one that god specifically told them to and why was that because of deception they were deceived by the serpent they were deceived by the evil one they were deceived by the devil if we're not careful, it's easy for us to get deceived. We listen to the things going on. And the things that are going on tell us, well, it's not harmful. You ought to be able to enjoy it if you want to. 
I want to be open-minded. I want to be tolerant. I want to be all these things. And so the first place that we get into trouble on the treasure map is when we start listening to deception. The second thing that happens is denial. Denial. So I want to ask you, when is deception successful? Deception is only successful when somebody believes what the deceiver wants them to believe. Magicians have made a living off this forever. And what do they do? They hold up a, a hand and they say, see, this hand is empty. This hand is empty. And then they may be doing something with this hand over here or have some other distraction going on. So your mind is kind of trying to focus on more than one thing. And you're not really that concentrated on this hand. You don't notice that this hand has a quarter or a playing card or something like that stuck behind it that you can't see because they're good at hiding it. So then they reach over and seemingly pull a coin or a playing card out of your ear. And you think, wow, I didn't see that coming. Why? Because the deceiver has been getting your mind to look someplace else while they just whip it out from the back of their hand. That's exactly the way the devil operates. The devil gets you focused on other things, and that takes your mind off the reality that God tells us is true reality, that he tells us in his, in his word. But deception only works if you deny reality. Denial. Bernie Madoff made off with literally $65 billion. $65 billion. How did Bernie Madoff make out and make off with $65 billion? From 4,800 people, that's what boggles my mind. $65 billion, that's a lot of loot from a very few people, relatively speaking. Well, how did he do it? First of all, he was practicing the art of deception. It was all smoke and mirrors. He's got it all, he's making them think with monthly reports he gets that he's generating much, much better returns than the market. And he would get influential people with influential families and friends and get them involved, and then he would use that to bring others into the fold. Well, the deception only works when there's a denial. At some point, every one of those people had to look at what he was doing and say, now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound realistic. How can he do this when nobody else can do this? Is he that much smarter? How does this work? So Bernie Madoff made off through deception, followed by denial. Denial and deception are very, very dangerous in your journey. And let me give you a couple of examples. Drug addicts and alcoholics, gambling addicts, sex addicts, pick your, pick your poison, pick your addiction. At some point, they've had to look at the fact that if they engage in that behavior, it could lead down a road of heartbreak, of trouble, of bankruptcy, of brokenness. 
And at some point, they've had to look at that and say, yeah, but I don't think it'll happen to me. I'm stronger than that. I can engage in this sort of activity, whatever that may be, on a very casual basis, and it'll be okay. What is the end result? The end result is they've denied reality. And many of them, most of them, end up losing their family, losing their job, losing their, all their relationships, losing their money, losing their home, losing everything they hold dear. Everything. And, in most cases, their life as well. Because they've chosen to be, be deceived and de deny what they know to be true. Another example is marriages. God tells us that there is a very specific way that marriage is supposed to work. And that way is it's supposed to be one man, one woman for life. And you're supposed to be faithful in that marriage and you're supposed to honor that marriage and you're supposed to make that marriage holy. Let him make it holy before him. And yet so many people, first of all, they believe the deception. You know what? You need, to, you need to get more pleasure in your marriage. Your spouse isn't doing you right. Your spouse is treating you wrong. So what do they do? They go outside that, and they look for that fulfillment outside of that marriage. They get into adulterous relationship. Again, they face a broken home, broken lives, impacted children. The, the, the snowball effect goes on and on and on, and it's awful. And it's because... There was a deception. They denied the reality and the truth they knew to exist and chose to follow their own way of thinking. So the biggest way that we can get off the track is to allow denial, which is the deceiver's only friend, and then follow it. Flip over to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 for since creation of the world his invisible attributes God's invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, excuse me, and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. This was written to people living in Rome 2,000 years ago. But when, and we'll read a little bit more of it in a few minutes. When you read it, it is very fresh. It is very much a description of where we're at today. It is very much a description of a society which has chosen to leave the treasure map and try to create their own treasure map. In verses 20 and 21, we see a progression. First of all, we have proof, the proof we need to believe that God who is who he says he is. And he says he is 
eternal, powerful, and divine. I want you to think about just two things. Two things. And wrap your mind around these two things for the next few minutes. First of all, think about the cosmos. Have you ever wondered how the ball that we live on can travel through space at thousands of miles per hour, all the, all the while rotating and going around a sun that provides warmth and with a moon going around it that draws the tide in and out. All this is going on, and it's going on in, to us, countless ways throughout the universe. To God, they're, they're very finite. God knows exactly the number of stars there are. He knows the number of galaxies. He knows the number of grains of sand on the seashore. He knows it all. But think about the magnitude of the cosmos and think about the, the order within which it works. Is that random? Is that something that just happened? No. There is a creator out there who has made that and all we have to do is look at it. Down on my in-laws' farm, my in-laws who are with me today, it's really dark down there at night. It's not like around here where there's so many street lights. And you can look up, like the other night, it was really cool and clear, and you could see an unbelievable amount of stars. And sometimes I just look up at those stars and I think about the distance that, that those stars and how long that light's been traveling before I even see it on that night. And I think, wow, that is much bigger than my comprehension. So I just have to go back and say, Lord, thank you. That's of you. There's, there's nobody else that could do that. Think about the human body. I think it's just ridiculously amazing to think how God created us in such a way that we can think, we can talk, we can have facial expressions, we can move our hands around, we can act, we can drive a car, we can go to work, we can do that. And the whole time we're doing all that stuff, we don't have to focus on our heart still beating, our lungs still taking breath in and out, the blood flowing through our body, the brain doing the... All those things are automatic. Did we do anything? No. It's a... It's a a wonderful creator who put it together. One of the things that boggles my mind is the fact that you can go hard all day long, just, just running and going and doing things, and it gets to be about 10 o'clock at night, and you go, wow, I am so tired. And you lay down in your bed, and it's almost like your mind shuts off. And while it's kind of shutting off, your brain is healing it is recuperating. It is your body is getting the rest it needs. And yet while all that's going on, and you don't know you're in the world, your heart still keeps beating. Your lungs still bring air in and out. Your blood keeps pulsing. And your brain's still doing the things your brain do. That is just so far over my head. It's so far over our head that at some point we just got to realize there's something, there is someone bigger than us. Bible tells us it's God, and he wants us to believe that. That is the very starting point on our journey, is believing that God is the creator who says he is, who he says he is. So, that's where the deceiver steps in. The deceiver steps in and says, yeah, all that's good, 
oh, that's fine, you know, and, and, and certainly, you know, there could have been a couple of uh, cells that got together uh, in a primordial stew, and they ultimately kind of crawled out, and then they started developing and making splitting, and then eventually they, were, they formed something that looked like little legs, and then they stood up, and, and on and on it goes. You know, you've all heard the stories. These are the theories. These are the, the lies that the deceiver tries to put out before us. And then the deceiver takes it one step further, and he goes, but even with that in mind, I want you to think about something else. You're special. That, that God that you believe in, he's trying to keep you away from the things that will make you happy. You're special. You need to do what you want to do. If it's something you're going to enjoy, enjoy it. It's okay. It won't result in death. It's a, it's a nice piece of fruit. Go ahead and eat up all you want. It's okay. That's, that's the deception. Romans tells us that these people were engaged in futile speculations. They started kind of pontificating to themselves, and they started kind of coming up with, eh, a literal six-day creation. I don't know. We're doing pretty good. That was a long time ago. You know, we're, nobody's, nobody, we're not dying. doesn't matter that we're involved in all kinds of nastiness. It doesn't seem to have an effect. If I choose to believe those kind of lies then I, as a man, can choose to fulfill myself with men instead of women. Mostly a woman. If I choose to believe those lies, I can choose, and I'm a woman, I can choose to be fulfilled with another woman. The list goes on and on, and I'm not going to get into all the perversity that's out there. You all know it. It's in the news. It's on your TV. It's in magazines. It's paper every single day. You cannot turn on a TV show without seeing same-sex being glorified. Every day. So, you know... You, We've got two grandchildren, and, and one of the things I can say is I've watched the Toy Story series with my oldest grandson, who's 20 months old, probably over the last three or four months, probably 100 times. <laughs> and I will say, there is no same-sex issue in the Toy Story. But I know about all the lines of it now. So um, the Bible tells us that their foolish speculation lead to their foolish heart being darkened. When you speculate, you're opening your mind up for deception. What happens? Your heart is darkened. You deny the truth. So once you've done that, once the deceiver has got your attention and now you've denied, what's the next step? The next step is depravity. Depravity is moral corruption. It's putting what feels good or seems good ahead of what God has told us is good. If you go down to verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their heart to impurity, 
and their, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, I mean the creature, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men committing indecent acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do them, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So what, what does it say here? It says that there's a whole spectrum of things, not just sexual immorality, but immorality as it relates to relationships with people in general, to parents. I mean, you know, wow. When it talks about being uh, uh, disobedient and disrespectful to parents, it's throwing that right in there with sexual sins and murder and lying. The Bible, let me just go ahead and tell you, and God is very, very strict. You know why? Because he can be. It's his treasure map. And all he's trying to do is get you through it so that you can get the treasure. And he knows that based on what happened with Adam and Eve, we are broken. We are in, we are in, no, we are in no position to make a good decision on our own. So we need to follow his, his guidance and his rules. When you look at this list, you can see everything in there that we're dealing with in society today. You can see homosexuality, pansexuality, asexuality, immoral sexuality, gender non-specificity, gender confusion, lying, murder. You see all the things that we deal with today. I'm going to go one step further. I think you can even put the things that are going on in our society with the racial divide in this section as well it tells us in that verse that these people these those verses that these people are haters of god let me ask you this if you hate god can you really love your fellow man who was created in his image i don't think you can i think you're too focused on yourself and i think that is at the heart of what's going on with the racial divide in our country it's a lot of people that are focused on themselves and not focused on God. And I'm talking on both sides of the both sides of the equation. It's not a white or black issue. Matter of fact, it's not white, black, red, yellow, fuchsia, green, pick a color. It's nothing. It is nothing more than people who refuse to love another human being that is created in the image of Almighty God. These verses tell us that they're without understanding. Just like animals running around. 
And that's kind of the way our society has started to behave, like animals. Let's do whatever we want to do. It's okay. There's no rules. Just, just fun. Just whatever we want to do. The answer to race reconciliation does not lie, as the consultant for Coke said a couple of weeks ago, in being less white. The answer to race reconciliation does not lie in a movement such as Black Lives Matter. The answer lies in going back to creation and seeing that the Bible specifically says on the sixth day, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then it says, and he saw all that he made, and it was very good. God loves every one of you. And God loves every person that's not here today, regardless of what mistakes they've made, regardless of what gender they are, regardless of what color they are. But he wants you to be on the treasure map, and he wants them to be on the treasure map, his treasure map, and following the directions. So if you fall for deception, which leads to denial, which leads to depravity, the next step is, is the final step, and that is death. It's what God had told Adam and Eve that eating of the fruit would lead to. Romans 1, 18 through 19, which is just prior to the section we just read, says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Wrath, God's wrath. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Today, much of our society and many of our friends and people we know have fallen into the deception, the denial, and the depravity that leads to death. I want to ask a few questions here for you to think about, take home with you, and ponder. Have you bought into the rhetoric, which is our word, or the deception, which is God's word, that is causing you to look at lifestyle decision people, uh, the, the lifestyle decisions that people make in the world and say that we need to be tolerant? We don't need to be tolerant at all. We need to be loving. We need to be merciful. We need to be forgiving, and we need to be restoring, but we do not need to be tolerant. God is not, God is not a tolerant God. God is a loving God, and there's a big difference. Do you have family members who have been on the trail and have strayed? If so, they need to be warned because nothing good comes from getting off the trail that God has given us. Will they listen to you? Maybe, and maybe not. But in the final analysis, it's about you making the statement to them and letting the Holy Spirit do His work. If you are that family member that has gotten off the trail, I just want to let you know you've been deceived, you're in denial, 
and your mind is not thinking properly. The only way to change that is to turn back to him. And I will tell you right now, I don't care what you've done. How far you strayed off the trail. He is so loving that if you just ask him to, and you just say, you know what, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry for jumping off that trail. He'll take you by the hand, and he'll set you back on the trail. He'll say, keep going toward the treasure, because I love you. The deceiver's out to destroy you. Don't let him. Don't let him destroy the ones around you. Warn people. Tell people. Show people the true treasure map. As I started out today, this is the treasure map. Love it. Study it. Go for the treasure. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes life possible for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who has given us a relationship with you that will last forever. We just thank you that you care so much about us that even when we who, be who are believers tread, uh, stray from the treasure map, all it takes is us acknowledging that, coming to you, and you'll bring us back to a good relationship with you and restore us. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.